Welcome to Spark Twain vs. The World, a show about life, the universe, travel, ethical capitalism, and everything else. But shit can switch up at any second, and so you've got to be ready. Today, uh, welcome to the Spark Twain vs. The World podcast. I'm sitting down with Kevin. He runs a, a, a vintage thrift shop online down here in southwest Florida called Insightful Finds. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, we've been chopping it up uh, for the last couple of minutes, just getting to know each other, you know, because he, there's this market downtown, you know, and I met him there, um, but it's clear from his Instagram page and, uh, you know, that I, I could tell, like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing when it comes to, uh, you know, buying and selling these the clothing. So I think uh, try to ask him the good questions and get some information out there for other people who are interested in running small businesses. So let's take it from the get-go. And why don't you tell us, uh, you know, when you started doing what you're doing and how it came to be that you're doing what you're doing. You know, we talked about this before, but now we'll, we'll just reiterate it for everyone, you know? Uh, well, I'll take it back to 2017. Uh, I was a freshman in high school, and uh, I just wanted to find a good way to be able to dress fashionably, but also on a budget, and uh, that's how I discovered thrifting. And, you know, for the first year or so, I was just, you know, doing it for myself, finding nice things every, every now and then, and then it transpired into, I found really cool stuff that just didn't fit me, and instead of leaving it at the thrift store, I'd pick it up and sell it to somebody else, you know. And uh, through that process, uh, I met people and they helped influence me in order to be able to just sell all of my products. And uh, yeah. So you're, you started buying these clothes and what was the first thing you sold online and then how did it come to be like you were like all right i'm gonna start buying these things they don't fit me but they're they're only you know they're this price at the thrift store and you must have known that they were worth more yeah yeah it started all with a specific piece man this like really cool vintage ralph lauren like patchwork flannel and i've got it for like five bucks and i flipped it for ninety dollars and i think that's when i realized like holy shit like i found something really cool and i can make something some money off of it and i was like wow so i started going every day started really hustling with it started going multiple thrift stores a day uh take everything that i that i find post it on my instagram you know get people hitting me back for it and uh, just rinse and repeat, turned into a cycle. And then I started selling on different platforms, started getting a little bit of traction on Instagram. And then uh, I just started getting more personal with my followers, you know, just uh, trying to find certain things that people people were looking for, you know, just trying to meet their needs. And uh, through the process, I, I was always just trying to sell. But as of recently, I've definitely become too... I've started to appreciate vintage more and uh, started to collect more clothes for myself and uh, just to get to know the history behind it because there's just, there's so much to learn from it, you know? So did you take your personal Instagram and turn it into a business account? Yeah, well, I, st I started posting on my personal Instagram and then I realized, you know, not everybody wants to see vintage clothes. So that's when I opened Insightful Finds just so I could have that separately for people to shop on, you know, and just DM me about vintage. So, Word. yeah. 
And I think one thing the young people understand is that there's two things. One, young people don't like being sold to. And we're talking young people like that's a pretty, being young is a mind state. It's not an age. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I definitely, you know, when you're saying, oh, I bought it for five and I flipped it for 90, it's like some people are going to hear that and they're, they're going to be like, what? You know, that's, it, that's unfair. But it's not the truth because, first of all, you're saving the planet because you're recycling these clothing, this clothing that otherwise, you know, it, it would end up in someone's hands. But uh, economics is an important thing. America, third largest country in the world, third most populated country in the world behind China and India. And we have a, a history with economics. You know, it's a sloppy history with how we got where we are. But money is a huge part of uh, America. We've had the strongest economy in the world since, I think, 1876 uh, or 1846 until 2020. That Just this year, China like expanded its economy, so their economy is larger than ours, but they also have like four times as many people, so that's to be expected. But I think it's, uh, you know, one thing I talk about is ethical capitalism, and what you're doing is ethical because people are willing to pay that price. You know, you keep people looking fresh, you know, you and when you purchase a product for more, you know, people who are like, especially let's just, let's just cloud it and be like people who make hip hop. That was a big thing. I think that came with that. And then you get to go and you get to talk about your music. You're, you're in your music talking about how, you know, you paid more for things. It kind of motivates the people who are listening to you in that sense. And so I think, uh, there is like paying for a product you know, you're investing in yourself when you buy a, a nice piece of clothing and you take pride in it, you know, they're going to take care of that clothing. You know, Ralph Lauren made this this uh, shirt and then you sold it. It's like you're also securing that place, that uh, piece of clothing's history. You know, you're keeping keeping it alive, you know, for other people to enjoy. And I think that's a really good thing. You're recycling, you know, like I said. And, and so that's... Uh, Thrifting, I think, is on the rise. I've been talking to some of my friends in other countries. I'm like, have you ever thought about this? Like, you know, you could do it anywhere in the world, you know, different different numbers. But I think thrifting, you know, I've been seeing a lot of people doing it, and there's a reason, and there's a reason people are buying those, those clothes. You know, it's something I've been getting more into. It's like, hmm, I should, like, be buying more of these clothes, not only to recycle them, but also because it's like they're good. You're you're like wearing an old piece of clothing, and it like represents a personality. It's a you're, you know, and people are doing their own thing. You know, people who have a passion for something else, whether it's their job or they're doing their own separate business. Like you're doing a lot of the legwork. You're going to the store. You're looking through all the pieces of clothing. You're picking it out. You're seeing what's good. You're bringing it back, and you're selling it for a fair price. People wouldn't buy it if it wasn't a fair price. That's the bottom line. Exactly. You know, you know and it's also a perception, you know, because someone can see, like, an old band t-shirt that I found and be like, that that's a piece of trash, and then you can find somebody that really likes that band, and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I'll pay $200 for this right now, you know? Like, and also, I just feel like vintage is so much better than just buying, like, a mass-produced item because... It's so unique, like each individual piece has its own story, all those flaws, all of that character, you know, it builds onto it, you know, and instead of wearing something that everybody else has, you have something that's unique to you, you have something that's special to you, you know, and you have a story to tell behind it, and especially going back to like the morals about it, like, there's just so much clothes that's like polluting our, our planet, you know, like we have literally landfills of just textile waste, you know. And there's there's no way someone's gonna be able to find all the cool the cool vintage clothes. So I'm just helping preserve it, you know, because it's gonna end up in a landfill one way or another. 
So. Where, like, when these companies produce it and sell it, you know, you got a band t-shirt and other things, but some of the clothes you sell were mass-produced. Yeah. But now they're practically art when you sell them. And I write about the philosophy of why people should collect art, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely cool. You know, I'm, I'm into, to, do you consider it, like, it, you're, it's like a vintage shop or a thrift shop that you do? I consider it vintage more so because I'm specifically like looking for like a certain style of clothes. Like I really like collecting things from seventies in between like late two thousands, you know. So I just I try to find things that like I like this but I wouldn't personally wear it, but I know someone out there would definitely appreciate this, you know. So like I try I try seeing it from multiple perspectives, you know. Word. And that's a skill. That's like a skill that not everybody has. You know, some people don't have that eye for stuff. Yeah, you definitely like having having good taste. You know, having having to be able to have that eye to see like you know this isn't something I'm necessary not necessarily interested in, but I know someone else would appreciate this. That that's like the mentality that I that I go into when uh you know I'm trying to find my clothes. You know, and I I don't just limit myself to thrift stores. I I've met people directly that were the original owners of the clothes, you know, and they're just looking to get rid of it or, or whatnot, you know, going to auctions, to garage sales, like you can find it anywhere, you know, you just gotta, you gotta be determined. Word. And I'm definitely interested in the history of things, you know, as I write and I, I do my blog and a lot of it I do to preserve uh, history. Um, the preservation of contemporary culture, that's what I say. It's like I'm going around and I'm writing just about the world around me which might just be nothing right now, but in 20 or 30 years, it's like, I might be surprised that it's just like, hmm, that's the most accurate representation of, you know, Wisconsin in 2016 is the stuff this guy wrote. It's like, you go back and, you know, videos on YouTube, and then I'll see a video where it's just like, this is how teenagers acted in 1992. And it's like, whoever took that video, those people skateboarding in 92, didn't think that this was going to end up as the video of showing what people were like in 1992, you know? Exactly. The mo the most mundane tasks, like, you just look at, like, a glimpse of what it was like in the 90s, you know, the most mundane tasks that people were doing, and now it's interesting to us because of the way the world has evolved, you know? Like, that was a certain time, and life is never going to be like that again. So the fact that we have art and video and film and all of these qualities that we can, you know, take from from what was in the past, you know, and we can appreciate it, you know? Yeah. And these like, you know, YouTube didn't exist in 92. So nobody thought like, Oh, I can take my home videos and put them online. And people who were buying shirts a long time ago, they're not thinking about where the shirt's going to go, but it's like, I'm sure that they would be happy that that piece of clothing they bought is ending up in the hands of somebody who really appreciates yeah. it. Do you know the oldest piece of clothing you ever got your hands on? Um, I think I've, I've found numerous pieces from like the seventies, like 40, 50 year old, uh, pieces of clothing. But usually it's, I usually find like things from the eighties and nineties. That's the more common stuff, but definitely I haven't found anything from the sixties yet, but the oldest, oldest piece of clothing I've had stuff from the mid seventies, late seventies, early eighties. It just doesn't stay around forever. I mean, clothing is yeah, yeah. perishable. It's a perishable yeah. item. Uh, all right. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I yesterday I, I was interviewing these people and it's just like I was coming up with ideas and questions and it's just like, you know, when I'm interested in the business, that's uh, once I start doing research, it's just like, oh, okay, you know, I'm just interested in this. Um, so 
you think that this the vintage uh, shopping is going to grow throughout the United States? Like, you think that this is a practical model? Um, you mind if I tell people how old you are? Is that yeah? You know? Go for it. Yeah. So Kevin here's eighteen. You know, and that's like that's a young entrepreneur. You know, I meet young entrepreneurs, but this, this Kevin's a young entrepreneur here. And so this is like a practical thing, I think, for people across the United States and across the world to get in on. Uh, you know, you can have a job at 16 and instead of like, you can put your money in a bank, that's not a bad thing, but you can also, you know, start just buying a couple pieces of clothing every week and then slowly stacking up your inventory. Uh, you know, that's that's a really practical thing to do um, as I, I've seen more people doing the vintage stuff. Have you ever been to like one of those Goodwills with the buckets? Oh yeah, the, the Goodwill bins, dude. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's I've found a lot of treasure there too, man. And, and uh, going back to what you were saying, I really do feel like vintage is gonna just keep growing. You know, like it's just like from the point that I first started in versus now, which has only been like a two three year difference. Like it's exponentially grown. You know, especially with Instagram, like being able to do Instagram lives, have people auction off their clothes. Like I don't know if you heard, but. Uh, a shirt sold for six thousand dollars on an Instagram live, and like it, oh. yeah, it was posted on like the uh, the the New York Times, uh, the Washington Post. Yeah, it's like, it's just really cool, you know, because like, the person buying it, they just see it as art, you know. They they probably won't wear it, but they'll they just the fact that it means so much to them that they're willing to pay that price for it. You know, there's people that spend um, over a million dollars on like baseball cards, you know, and I hope like one day that a shirt sells for a million dollars, you know, <laughs> like it's. It's all about, like, perception. Like, if someone really sees that value towards that, they're going to spend that money, you know? Like, and, and honestly, I just feel like it's just been at a really good pace, the way that it's been growing, especially with COVID. Like, although it, it shut down a lot of things, like, it birthed, like, the the Instagram lives, and that's really been pushing the community, giving people an opportunity to make a name for themselves, you know? And it's just, yeah, it's it's a really good community, you know? It's like, the ethics are there, like, People are really trying to do something, you know, right with it. And I, I really appreciate that. And I'm glad that I'm a part of the community, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I make these tie-dye shirts. And when, one thing when I was making them, and I tell people this, it's kind of like, uh, I use it as a marketing tactic. But it's like, I believe in ethical capitalism. And it's just like, these are the kind of shirts you're going to be able to find in a thrift store in 20 years. Because it's like, they're going to hold up. And I think that's a really important thing, you know. A lot of people are like selling products and creating products without really thinking about the longevity of it and it's just like uh for me you know i'm i'm selling clothing uh these tie-dye shirts because i want to bring myself an income as a writer but at the same time i want to put something good into the planet it's just like i don't i i want i want the stuff to keep on giving you know because it's got my brand on it so when people you know when you find uh you can probably tell the quality of a company based on how long their clothing lasts like i'm sure there's some brands you see more than others in stores oh yeah definitely definitely dude like the clothing that was made like 20 30 years ago holds up better than the clothing that is being produced now because it's like it's it's solely focused on like quantity you know like it i feel like there there was something lost in between that time you know like t-shirts don't hold up like the way they used to you know and it's just like the the ethics behind it like it's just being made in a sweatshop you know so instead of supporting you know people getting underpaid people you know exploiting labor laws and stuff like you could be supporting somebody local like you know directly like where that money's going instead of it being you know just filled into like a company yeah yeah and the bigger those companies are sometimes they're really sloppy with their money the government is the biggest 
you know, perpetrator of that. It's just like, how efficient is that system really? How much of that money actually gets to a good spot, you know? But yeah, when you're working with a small company and someone can pay you, they know where that money's going, it's putting food on your table. I think that's a really uh, powerful thing. And, you know, it's it's good that the world's changing in that sense, you know? It's, yep. this, we're having a terrible hurricane season, you know? I haven't really, uh, I've never been in a hurricane. Have, you've been in a hurricane. Yeah, man, <laughs> plenty of times, yeah. So, and this is like a bad season. We haven't gotten hit over here, luckily, but it's like, um, you know, things are changing. The earth is changing, you know? So, when you're doing your part, you know, both uh, supporting, you know, the economic system, because it's important to, like, have money. You know, that's an important thing. People who, like, money is, you know, having money is not everything, but not having it is. You know, that's a Kanye West says that. And the first time I heard that, I'm like, that's true. You know, like, you know, I'm a business owner trying to make uh, some money, but it's, you got to be careful not to get lost in the sauce. So many people start with uh, good intentions and then they become rich. And it's just like, they're not really... Uh, focused anymore they're only focused on making money and it kind of ruins things yeah the, the purpose of why you even started to begin with you it kind of gets lost in the process you know that's true you know and uh with, with what i do like honestly like the satisfaction i get of giving someone like a sense of nostalgia from providing them like a quality shirt that you know just resonates with them like that that's priceless to me you know like being able to have somebody rekindle like a memory that they had from their childhood of like you know for instance going to that certain concert that they went to in the 90s and like they see that shirt that they went to and it's just like oh shit you know like it it just like it's happened to me numerous times like they they're just beyond grateful that like I was able to do that for them it's just like that that's honestly like one of the big reasons why I do it like it's it's really cool to be able to strike that nostalgia in people you know and have them just have that physical piece that they can keep with them and it it's just so much more than a t-shirt you know there's it's just like all the the history and the memories that they have behind it so do you have an idea like how many pieces of clothing you sell per month maybe or does it just fluctuate too much to... uh, it, it fluctuates you know it, it all depends on how much i'm working you know uh, okay. I've, I've sold well over like a thousand pieces at this point you know okay but yeah i i honestly should you know since I'm young, like, it's a trial and error process, learning how to, you know, do the the fun part of this, which is, like, finding the treasure and also balancing, you know, the economics, the keeping track of your, your finances and all that. That's that's a, the process that I'm working. The running the business part. But yeah. You know, one thing I, I heard, uh, I don't know, hanging out, I was living in San Francisco for three years, as I told you, and a lot of the words that get thrown around there, you know, you go into Facebook and their motto is move fast and break things. You know, you go into... Pinterest, my friend was a cook in the Pinterest kitchen, and he's like, yeah, on the wall they got it painted in big letters. Find the fastest route to a profitable, uh, find the fastest route to a marketable solution and scale, you know, Um, which are like good philosophy, move fast and break things, I don't necessarily think is a good philosophy, but find the fastest route to a marketable solution and scale, I think is. Uh, I've heard, uh, you know, if you're not embarrassed about the first product you put out, you waited too long. And so just to be flipping the clothing, even if you're like not, you know, so many people put constraints on their business. Oh, it's got to be this. No, it has to be this website or we can't do it. It's like, no, it has to be this way. It's like, 
Well, no, I think it's important. It's it's you're gonna have trial and error no matter what you're trying yeah. to do. Nobody is just like and that's college tries to eliminate some of that when you come out of college. There's maybe less trial and error for those people uh, in those specific businesses, but trial and error is part of running a business, and it's it's uh, really powerful that you're just naturally embracing it. You know, I think people can learn from that. It's just like look if you're listening to this and you're even considering uh, doing some thrift. Don't put all your eggs in that one basket, maybe. You know, like, you don't don't take all of your money and all of your savings and do it, maybe, necessarily. Of course, the people are going to make their own choices if they want to do that. But you can just start doing something. And the sooner you start it, the sooner you'll figure out if you're good at it, if you like it, and if it's for you, and if you can make money doing it, of course, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, the more time that you're just spending thinking about what you could or couldn't do is time that could have gone to actually do things, you know? And, uh, luckily with thrifting, like it's, it's a really, I feel like it's a really good way to just learn like the basic structure of what a buy and sell, you know, how that, how that entire concept works, you know, cause you're just buying something for significantly cheap. Like, you know, going back to the Goodwill bins, you can buy a t-shirt for like 45 cents, you know, they're selling yeah. it by the pound and you could flip it for like 20, 30 bucks. And then you just, you reinvest it, you know, it's just like a constant snowball effect, I guess. Yeah, and you're you know, keeping your money in the business, which is a good thing. It's just like, uh, you know, uh, you can't impulsively go out and spend money that's t-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. got to sell it first, you know, and that's a, um, I think a big thing, a lot of people, uh, I don't know if it's just in America, I don't I don't know about, about this, but definitely, you know, sometimes my friends, they're like, yeah, I bought this thing. I'm like, how long did you think about it before you went and like dropped three grand on that thing? They're like, man, I wanted it. I bought it. I'm like, okay, you know, you can do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, spending money is fun, and to be able to you, I'm there's it's fun to go out and buy these these oh, yeah, items sure. of clothing, like you said. So, um, well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I think. Do you? You must look at the tags. Uh, yeah, that's one of the most important parts of what I do. You know, that's honestly like. I go through a rack and I'm honestly just like not even spending like a second per item. I'm just looking at that tag, you know, like after doing this for so long, like even just feeling the cotton, like I know when it's vintage, you know, okay. seeing the sleeves, I know, I know when it's vintage, seeing that single stitch, seeing that tag, like, it's just like, you, you really have to have an eye for it. Cause like time is of the essence when you're doing this, you know, cause it can be very time consuming, you know, going to a thrift store, it's like 30 minutes of your time to be able to actually like go through all those racks. So yeah, and sometimes you you come out and you don't even find anything, but that that's just the part of the process, you know. It's just, it's that that hunt for for finding something quality, you know. It's just it's very satisfactory. So you go into like a, I'll just take Goodwill because it's the most popular uh, like store that that has thrift clothing like that. Yeah, you know, you go into a Goodwill and I, how many uh, you might not find anything, but you know most of the items in the store are not going to be up to the quality that you want to resell. Is that correct? Or yes. It's like, you know, you're you're not going into some place and it's like, oh, I bought twenty five percent of the stuff they have. You know, that never happens. Def- right? Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, when I first started, I was very naive to a lot of the business, so I would just buy a lot of stuff and then realize like it's not really valued as to what I think it was and that that's a part of the trial and error process. So nowadays I'm a lot more picky with what I do. Like I'm a lot more selective because like I have a certain standard of what I want to be selling under my name. So Word. yeah, that, that's, that's just a process. Like, you know, it's easy to go into a thrift store and be like, oh, that that's like a cool looking shirt. I'm sure someone will buy that. But then you realize like it's 
it's not value to anything like that that's also part of the the, the process where you got to provide value to people is as an individual who uh, you know writes blogs that's like my what I'm trying to make my bread and butter is writing I like writing um, I've even given some thought to writing about uh, vintage clothing you know how people can identify quality clothing when they're buying it not just for their shop but for themselves but you got to provide value like you were saying before that nostalgia people are paying for these items you know what's not worth a lot to this person is worth a lot to this person and it's because you're providing value to them it's just like uh you know band t-shirts like you said and that kind of stuff so yeah the the market shifts like you know with the trends like kind of like how streetwear the the trends you know come and go with the seasons same thing with uh with thrifting like Right now, what's really hot is Disney shirts, you know, Disney shirts, snack shirts, things like that. Like, going back to the, the shirt I was telling you, it was, it was a Disney Aladdin shirt that sold for $6,000, you know. I was going to ask you about that. Okay. Yeah, it, it was crazy. It, it was through an Instagram Live, and just, like, being able to see that, like, that just motivates all the smaller pages to be able to, you know, go out and build off of that. Because, like, a lot of people that don't know anything about vintage, they're going to see that, and that's gonna be what you know they think about when they think of vintage you know Word. so it's just it's just bringing so much more to it you know and it's just it's really good because it's it's a uh, it's allowed us smaller thrifters to benefit from someone else's sale you know because like it's just left such a big impact on the community so yeah like disney shirts right now they there's disney shirts that i sold like back in the day when i first started for like 20 30 bucks and now they're going for like a hundred plus dollars you know so wow everything everything you know it comes and goes like with trends wow that's uh an aladdin shirt you know yeah an aladdin shirt man out of all things you know uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool to be honest did you watch it happen in real time uh, no, I watched it back afterwards, and even then, it was like it gave me goosebumps because I was just like, I, I could put myself in that position, like, and envision like how I'd feel, you know. And it's just like it's crazy. It's it's so much more than the money, you know. It's just like the that that's like a like a a land not a landmark like a a timestamp of just like shit that really happened, you know. Yeah. And then a year from now, like I'm sure it's gonna you know be bought out from that. It's just gonna keep growing. Yeah, the most expensive vintage item uh, that's ever been sold, you know, right now it's six thousand, but yeah, it's gonna go up. You're yeah, right. Someday yeah. there's gonna be a shirt that sells for a million dollars. Yeah. Um, do you remember what the bidding started at on that item? I think it started at like three hundred. People thought it wasn't gonna go more than like fifteen, two grand. You know. Okay. And uh, it surprised everybody. You know, like it's it happened. I think in like August. So like, there's just been a lot of a lot of beneficial like benefits that that have come from that you know and that's i think another important thing because you know in america we're having this political you know the elections in like seven six days something yeah, like that it's coming up and i tell so many people you know i'm like i don't think a lot of people understand how much money this is something i tell people and it's the more i say it the more i realize that it's controversial but it's like i'm trying to open people's minds up i'd rather say something too aggressive and make people think I think every person in America can be a millionaire. I do not think at this point in history that every person in India can be a millionaire. I told you I went to India. America just has this system, you know, where, of course, if everybody did that, it wouldn't happen. But it's because I think there's so much money just sitting in people's bank accounts. And so giving them an opportunity to spend that money on something they love, like a shirt, you know, is good. Like anybody who can afford a $6,000 shirt has a decent amount of money, right? Yeah, you know, definitely. I, I think anybody knows that. So 
rather, you know, it's good that they're spending it. You got to keep that money moving. That's part of like the big economical thing. I think that, you know, uh, you know, more businesses, it's surprising. I think like 99% of the businesses in America are small businesses, you know, but you wouldn't know it because the big businesses are just so overclouding. Yeah. I mean, Amazon makes Target look like a small business. It's exactly. crazy. Um, word. Do you, so you're selling mostly on the internet. You know, I met you at an in-person market, but like you said, that was the first market or one of the first markets you did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recently started selling locally, uh, at the, the soul market in, uh, downtown Fort Myers. But before then I've just been doing things through selling platforms like Depop, Grailed, uh, Instagram, things like that. You know, I feel like, uh, as a small business, when you're first starting out, it's really benef- like it benefits you to put all your items on a marketplace that already has like a foundation going before going into making your own website. You know, because it's a lot harder to bring that traction to your website. You know, you gotta, you just gotta have a, a bigger word clientele. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like I be thinking about this all the time. People are like, "Have you thought about this?" And I'm like, very, very you know, specific, I'm like, no, that company's my competition. They're like, okay. (laughs) You know, some, some things and some other, uh, you know, tech platforms I do take advantage of. But that's one thing after living in San Francisco, I'm just like, you know, people are unhappy with Facebook sometimes. The main problem is that not enough people think that it's possible to make their own Facebook, but it is, you know, you have to have a certain level of education and a huge team. You got to know how to program computers, but, uh, you know, so these tech platforms, they're, uh, big sometimes, but they give people a way to make money, you know, and as long as those people making the money are efficient with that and don't just like spend it all right away, it can really benefit the economy as a whole. I think Amazon used to be better at that. People could, you know, go on Amazon and sell their stuff, you know, and it was, it was really nice, but now it's gotten to the point where it's almost like I try not to buy from Amazon and I, I've never really sold anything on there. There's these other platforms supporting these other, uh, you know, again, selling on Amazon, is different than selling on Etsy. Etsy's practically a small business next yeah. to Amazon. So, um, but, uh, man, what was I going to say? Oh, do you sell most of your stuff? You ship it. Do you offer free shipping or you make people pay for the shipping? Uh, it depends, you know, like I, I ship worldwide, you know, I'll ship to any country. So it depends. Sometimes it's, it gets pretty expensive to, to ship to, you know, like Australia, for example, I shipped something out today. It was like 26 bucks for one t-shirt. So I, I had the buyer, you know, pay for that. You know, I was like, I wanted to give some of my friends cause I was like, you know, working at the hostel and traveling and I was like, Oh, I'd love to send you a shirt. Just like wear it. So people know about my company in Germany and Australia. And then I looked at the shipping prices. I was like, I just, I'm not really ready to dig out, you know, uh, like 30 bucks to ship you the shirt right now, uh, is what I found. I was like, not sure how much it would cost, but then when I looked, I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait until I can just like, it might be the same price to send 10 shirts at this point. So yeah, definitely. You know, like, um, it depends, you know, I, I try to offer free shipping when someone buys something through me through Instagram, because I don't have to pay any like fees or anything, but usually through the platforms, uh, I charge shipping, but so you do the DM, you have someone DM you, you don't like have it where you're, you're, you know, you can press it and then the dot comes up, it tells you the price. No, the no, that, yeah, that's, uh, that's something that, that I got to get in the works of because uh, Facebook, you know, they collaborated and you can now have like a marketplace on, on Instagram, I'm pretty sure with the yeah. new update. So well, Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's like, uh, again, I think that that's like good. It's a great opportunity for people, but I do encourage people to like try and get towards their own website. You know, I, I tried to get a website going for the Soul Market downtown 
But the difference between me making a website and putting items on there is like, oh, I can do that. But making a website where other people can make profiles and then put items up, totally different game. I was like, when I started looking into that, I'm like, okay, that's a different thing. Like, uh, you know, it's just not the same animal. So you're right. Building the website is a big task. Again, and I talked about before, people put those constraints on their businesses. It's like, find the fastest route to a marketable solution and scale. You know, if you can sell a shirt on Instagram today, you should do that. And instead of waiting to do it in a way that is like, oh, it has to be done this way. No, it has to do it on my own website. No, I don't like Instagram. I, I don't want to use that. Um, you know, even though when I was saying Amazon, it's like, okay, I, I think people should diversify away from Amazon. But if you think you can sell an item on Amazon today, you know, you got to play the game in order to like get good at it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to do right now. You know, use these platforms to help build, you know, my Instagram and then through my Instagram, I want to send that traffic to my own website at some point, hopefully. Do you have your own website? Uh, no, but that's uh, definitely something that I'd like to do at some point, you know, when, uh, when I'm able to, you know, every, everything has its time and place, I feel like. So right now, uh, I do most of my selling on through Depop and Instagram. Word. Huh. Maybe after the interview we talk about that. I've gotten good at building websites in the last few months. Boom, I can whip one up in two hours. It's kind of surprising now. I'm like, huh, okay. And when I found out that I went to Asia and I was in this town called Pai. If you ever go to Thailand, uh, you know, there's this town called Pai way up north. And P-A-I. And I got there and there's all these people like, you know, living in Pai. But it's not super expensive to live in Thailand. And they're building websites for people. And I owned websites. So I started talking to this one guy and I was like talking. And at first I'm like, oh, maybe you can help me with mine. Or like, how much would you charge me? Woo woo. And then when I told him what I was doing, he kind of like got a little scared. And I was like, what's going on? Eventually I figured out like, oh, this guy like doesn't know more than me. He like is doing the same thing that I'm doing. He's just like uh, not providing a high enough. I would never sell that product that he's selling because it doesn't hit my standards. You know, I believe in ethical capitalism. Uh, his The stuff that he was doing, it was like, oh, okay, you put this website up for someone, but if they want to make changes in six months or a year, not only it's going to be real difficult. They're kind of locked into this one person, and this one person doesn't have the expertise to build a website larger than X. You know, it's like they can do the small website, but building a big one. That was the thing I saw. And people are charging like $2,000 to build these websites. And I'm thinking like, whoa, That's I would crazy. do that for 300 bucks, you know? So the, it's a really saturated market with the websites. And maybe I'm not entirely an expert on what I'm talking about, but I do own websites and I build them. And when I was like, this is what people are doing and charging $2,000 for? That's crazy, you know? Um, so yeah, and it's building websites is not the most fun I've ever had, but I'm more into the blogging. I'm more into like build a website and then write a blog and get it to the top of Google is kind of like, uh, it's a fun thing for me, you know? Uh, so, and I don't know, people must look up, you know, vintage clothing online. Um, I don't know. eBay is probably like, do you sell on eBay? Yeah. Uh, I mainly buy on eBay to be honest. Uh, it's it's okay. a pretty it's a pretty saturated market on there for vintage so Word. uh you you can definitely catch a lot a lot of good steals on there for sure but I, I I prefer Depop because they're just a lot more personal with uh with the sellers on there you know they'll give you benefits they'll you know for instance put your item on on the explore page you know and then that brings a lot of traction oh, to your Word. to your your profile and then from selling that you'll have other people wanting to buy other things and then you know. You can do bundle deals and, and all that. Tell us more about Depop. I've 
heard of it, but like I we're I don't really know what it is. Basically, it's like Instagram. It's like the same kind of layout as Instagram, but like you can buy things, you know. So like it has the same square uh, layout as Instagram. Uh, only it's just you you can shop on there. So it's a. Uh, is it strictly for shopping? It's, yeah, it's, stri- it's strictly for... It's a buy and sell marketplace. So. And, and besides vintage clothing, you see other kinds of items on there. Yeah, it's uh, it's mostly, like, tailored towards, like, streetwear, vintage, things like that. It's, uh, like... What about fa- action figures? Uh, I haven't seen action figures, no. Okay, okay. But, I'm just throwing one out there, seeing if, it, if it's... You see books on there? Books? No. Usually, usually you see... I, I see books on, like, Amazon or or eBay, things like that, but it's it's usually tailored towards fashion as a whole. Okay, word, you know, cool, I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Word, Depop, D-E-E-P-H-O-P. D-E-P-O-P, so just one Depop. D. Depop. Yeah. Cool, Depop, I get it now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm definitely going to check that out, cool. Um, and so, I, you know, one thing I do, I do what I do, and I like I'm very open about talking about my process because it's like most people don't even want to work hard enough to be my competition. You know, that's what I've realized. It's like there's there's people who want to be business owners and there's people who work hard. But I mean, people who are working hard, you do what you love. You never work a day in your life. You know, that's what they say. And it's uh, so I'm doing something that I love. And to other people that might be like, oh, that's a nightmare. I don't want to do that. So you sound very comfortable talking about your process you're not necessarily worried about uh too much competition in vintage and again i think this is a thing in american history where you know especially since like maybe the 80s people don't educate about the business that they run because they're so worried that other people oh well then they're going to learn how to do it and put me out of business it's like well no i think that just promotes healthy competition there can be you know thousands of vintage sellers in america um do you have a goal for where you want to go with this or uh you you know you're just gonna keep doing it you know and maybe move on to the next thing afterwards have you given any thought to that five years down the road maybe yeah i've definitely thought about that you know uh, i'm not sure if vintage is like gonna be like the main thing that i'm doing but for right now since i'm really enjoying it it's you know it's something that i'm gonna put my time and effort into and going back to the competition aspect I feel like the good thing about vintage is there's literally like an endless supply of it. Like there there's gonna be so much when even after we're all dead, you know. So like it's <laughs> yeah. not it's not like I feel like the competition aspect there it's not really a thing, you know. Like obviously there's bigger stores than others, but like we all help each other out because, you know, everybody just has a different niche and uh and what kind of vintage they're looking for, you know. So it's, it's always fun, you know, collaborating with other thrifters, you know, doing other things like that because they may have something that I really like and I may have something that they really like, you know, and then we can trade, you know, and help each other out. Right. And uh, I, I just really enjoy that aspect, you know. I feel like the, the greed aspect of wanting to have it all for yourself, it's, it doesn't really apply to vintage, you know, because it's just like there's just so much out there, you know. Nobody's ever going to find all of it. So. That, that's the truth, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, you were mentioning you spent some time in San Francisco down uh, by by the Hashbury Hayden Ashbury area. Yeah, yeah. I, I spent I just spent some time in different parts of the Bay. Uh, I went to the bins there when I was uh, when I was visiting there, and it's just like it's really cool to see like how the thrifters out there are doing things. You know, it's like everywhere you go, like it's like a completely different uh, selection of vintage that you can find. You know, like I found in in San Francisco. 
there's a lot more older pieces that people find like from the 40s between the 60s like that's that's really hot there you know Word. and uh i didn't i didn't do too much thrifting in, in southern california but i could definitely tell like it's a lot more like streetwear like hype items versus like old antique garments i guess you could say okay yeah to each their own everybody's wearing what they're wearing yeah. you know yeah. and it's that's uh the beauty of diversity you know? yeah that's that's the freedom of expression exactly yeah every everywhere you go it's going to be different you know so that's that's what i really like about this you know i don't have them with me i have a pair of vintage uh, or like i thrifted some shorts you know i was with this girl who was really into that I thrifted them in Austin, Texas at this place that I can't remember the name of, but you've definitely heard of it. Maybe you'll be able to produce the name in a second. And then when I went down to the Haight-Ashbury district, I was surprised. I was like, whoa, there's the same vintage store down here. Um, can you name, do you, do you know of like the largest vintage stores in America? You'll probably name the one uh, I'm thinking of. Maybe, maybe not. Definitely the biggest one and the one that inspired me to, to want to do this is Round 2. Round 2 has multiple okay. stores throughout uh, the country. Uh, they they tailor towards vintage and like hype streetwear, but that's definitely the the most popular one. That's uh, you ask anybody that's in the vintage game, they'll they'll definitely know who you're talking about. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna have to pull up this picture of the Earth I got on my phone here, um, and look at this shop. I was there's a lot of there's a couple vintage shops in the Haight Ashbury district. You know they're uh, selling things way high. Like there's this band Skid Row. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're like from the eighties or whatever. I haven't really listened to them, but like, you know, my dad listens to Skid Row for not like all the time, but I heard of the band and I was surprised to walk into the shop and find a Skid Row t-shirt, you know, from 1988 or 92, uh, tour t-shirt selling for 120 bucks. And it's like, and it didn't even, I am a business owner interested in business, but it didn't even occur to me that that market is something that it's like, oh, buy low, sell high in that market. It never even occurred to me, you know, because again, you're good at what you do. I'm good at what I do. And this is the, the, the difference between all that. So I was like, whoa, somebody's going to pay $120 for the Skid Row shirt, but like they're selling it. Somebody will for sure. Yeah. The funny, um, the funny thing about that is like someone can see that and be like, holy shit, that's a steal, you know? And they, they have a market specifically for like band t-shirts like that and they could sell it for double, you know? So it, it all depends like what, who, who you're selling to, you know? Absolutely. And in San Francisco, you get a lot of foot traffic. So yeah. that was like, it's like every item you own pays rent on your shelf. You know, that's a thing. Have you ever seen the show Pawn Stars? Yes. I was into that. I watched that for a long time. And it's they were talking to them like, this item's got to pay rent on the shelf. It's going to sit here for three years before we sell it. And it's like, okay. Then I started to get a better idea of that. It's like, you don't want to buy something and just have it sit around for too long, you know? Yeah. But if you're in a spot, first of all, you're, you're taken to the internet to get away from that, uh, to, to kind of, you know, get past that. But in San Francisco, these people have an outrageous amount of foot traffic, just like people coming into their store all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know? I imagine so. Um... Wasteland was that the one? Wasteland, I, I, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's in the Bay. Buffalo uh, Exchange. That's yeah, the one. that that one that one's popular too. That's a, that's a chain. Yeah, it's a chain. So it's like, uh, you know, but they're kind of doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They they've been they've been doing it for longer than I've been around for sure. Yeah, they're. I, I haven't been to one of their stores, but I'm familiar with the name. Yeah. Word. And they, yeah, you probably, they know what their products are valued at, so yeah. I don't know if you'd be able to make a profit off of their items, of course. But I was surprised that there was one in Austin, and then I get to San Francisco, I'm like, oh, it's a chain, you know? Um, that was like my experience buying, and I bought these shorts, and I like them, they're nice shorts, you know? And um, yeah, it's kind of disappointing maybe that these older items are built with more high quality. Like I said, I try to make my shirts 
Um, so they last a long time. I, we were talking about, you know, like sweatshops. It's a real thing. And I think not enough people touch on big issues, you know, uh, like that. Like, oh, I'll steer clear of that. I don't want to be like saying the wrong thing. It's like, you can't say the wrong thing. You can do the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. But I think talking about it, there's like less harm in words like that. Sweatshops are a real thing. They Definitely. exist. Um, but eventually I have these shirts and I want to get my own manufactured, uh, in Vietnam and I'm going to go to Vietnam. I've already been to Vietnam and I'm going to go to the factory, tour it, meet the people who are making my shirts. It's just like as a small business owner, as larger businesses, I think it's like, uh, their duty to support the different economies. Like it's more expensive to get a piece of clothing manufactured in the United States. Oh, definitely. You know? definitely. Um, and it's like, okay, I, I, I'm choosing Vietnam because I like, I like it. I went there and I saw it. It's like, okay, I, it's there. There's this place called Hoi An and it's like the best place in the world. I heard to get a tailored suit, you know, it's the best price in the world. You go there, get a, you still spend like 800 bucks, but it's not $8,000 and you're really supporting their local economy, exactly. you know? Yeah. Uh, so I want to go there and get items made that's a way down the road type thing for me but it's just like i'm overtly interested in making something that's going to last for a long time i'm not looking to make a product just to sell it and then step away from it it's like no i'm investing in a brand for the long term and you you want your name insightful finds when people hear the name insightful finds they want to think high quality right exactly yeah there there's just there's so much vintage out there you know ranging from low quality to high quality and you know i if I if I sell something to somebody, I want I want to know that it'll last them a really long time, you know. So that's that's why I try to be very selective with what I find and uh, make sure that you know the people that that come to me to shop, you know, they're getting the best experience that that I can provide them, you know. So like any business owner, though, you've probably had a, a dissatisfied customer. Yeah, definitely. You know, you can't you can't please everybody, and especially. In this kind of process, you know, like there's people that, that'll complain about a tiny pinhole on a shirt, you know, and oh. it's just like, it's a 30 year old shirt, you know, like it's not, you know, sometimes things slip, you know, slip my mind. So yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, do you have people send items back to you or is all sales are final? Uh, all sales are final. Definitely. You know, especially, especially as a, as a smaller seller, you know, it's, a. Uh, Something that, you know, I just, I stick by because uh, I, I try to offer as much information about the item before posting it to make sure that, you know, if someone's going to buy this, they, they're certain on it, you know, making sure that I have the measurements because that's something with, with vintage that, that happens a lot. Like people were built completely differently in the eighties than they are now. So, you know, like yeah, a size totally. large, a size large back then is like a size medium or a size small now. So oh. That that's uh that's something that that ranges like not finding something that fits you right. So measurements is like a big part of of what I do, making sure that people know exactly like how it's gonna fit. So wow. yeah, and uh going back to Depop, like uh something that's really popular on there is when people model the the vintage clothes, and that's that's something I do too. So it gives them the best you know depiction of what it looks like on somebody. So hopefully that that'll help them you know decide whether they want to buy it or not. Or you ever need a model that's 6'3", you hit me up. Yeah, you, man. <laughs> um, man, my phone's acting weird. Well, we've been talking for 47 minutes. I feel like we could talk longer, but, you know, I feel like we could even talk again, you know, someday. Definitely, man. Um, trying to think, you know, do I have anything else to say? Do you have anything else to say, you know? I mean, you know, you're just, you're over here, I, I, I'm talking to you, you know, I asked Kevin over here, because uh, I'm interested in his business. And I'm interested in providing you, people listening, 
you know, ideas for businesses, ethical businesses, and I think that vintage clothing is like an ethical business. We've been talking about it this whole time, you know. Um, so why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and, uh, you know, if they're looking to look into Insightful Finds. Well, you can find me on Instagram at Insightful Finds. You can find me on Depop at Insights. Uh, if you're ever interested in anything that, that I'm selling, you know, feel free to message me. Uh, we could always work something out. And uh, just a message to anybody that is thinking about starting their own business, you know, just don't be afraid, you know, like, especially with vintage, like it's very low risk because the items that you're investing in are, are relatively cheap, you know. So if you're if you're finding it yourself, if you're putting in the work to find it in a thrift store, you know, Usually, usually it's not that expensive. So, it's a know, good good business for yeah. people starting out. Yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely good to just you know understand and really learn the concept of buying something for for the low and then selling it for the high. You know, and uh, right. yeah, yeah. That's the thing I hear. The deeper you can dig yourself into the red, the further you can go into the black. Definitely you know, the more you can invest in the beginning. But this is a business you can spend five dollars and make eighty five dollars. And you're saving the planet, and you're providing someone a smile, you know, because yeah. they're getting something that it's like, oh, I didn't even know that these shirts would be around anymore. I thought they'd all be gone. So yeah, and uh, definitely something to keep in mind when you're you're shopping small, you're really supporting that person that that you're putting that you know you decide to spend your money with. So just always keep that in mind. You know, you're really you're really helping somebody out. You know, buying that twenty dollars shirt. You know, it may it may not seem like a big deal, but you know, that that's what put that's what you know feeds me so word yeah just, just think about that next time that you know you're buying clothes wise words from a young man doing a good business appreciate that brother for Thank sure alright thanks Kevin thanks for coming on the yeah. Spark 20 podcast and we will talk to you again uh, maybe soon but uh, definitely talk again yeah thanks for having me man appreciate that